Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Before I get into the message today, I want to just open our time in prayer. Pray for you, pray for us. And while I'm praying, if there's something specific that you would like to receive prayer for, the hosts are ready to pray with you. And down in the bottom, I think right of your screen, you'll see a little request prayer button. If you push on that, one of the hosts will come into a private chat room with you and you can express to them what you need prayer for and they will pray with you right online. So I just invite you to do that as we are praying. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I am thankful that we're able to gather in this way. We're able to commune together. And though we may be in different rooms, in different homes, by your Holy Spirit, we are one. And we're able to gather together in this beautiful way. And we just ask that you would continue to minister to us, to speak to us, that we would receive all that we need from you. Today, we are mindful of the many in our community who who actually have very specific needs, uh, health needs and struggles, uh, maybe relational needs, maybe family breakdown. Maybe there has been a job crisis or uh, something that has happened that has shaken them at their foundation. We just ask that you would reach to them, minister to them, reveal to us how we can serve each other, our neighbors, to show them your love in really practical ways. But we ask that you would lift them up today, that you would um, remind each one of them that they are loved, that your love endures forever and it applies to them. We pray uh, for the various um, things that are going on politically around us. There's elections coming up, seems like all over the place. There's conversations being had. And I I ask, we want to pray specifically, Lord, that you would help us those of us who follow you, help us to engage those conversations with light, with salt, with um, the ability in our words, in our speech, in our tone, our attitudes to express your heart, your life, to bear witness to you in our words. And I pray that in the midst of what has become uh, very polarized or difficult conversations, that you you would help us bear witness to your life in the midst of that. Lord, we do pray for our leaders. Particularly, we pray right now for the leaders of our country. Pray for Justin Trudeau. We pray for uh, the civic leaders, provincial leaders. We pray in particular for those leading in our health and, and wellness. Lord, we ask for wisdom for those who are making daily decisions uh, in the various provinces around how to respond to COVID-19. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give them wisdom and understanding. You would help them to engage the right conversations with the right people and to, to know how to best lead. And may we as your people pray for them and support them and encourage them. Lord, we want to remember uh, those among us who are feeling the isolation at this time and ask that you would Bring them hope that the lonely would discover connection. We pray that those who are among us that are feeling uh, maybe the struggle of mental illness would feel your Holy Spirit 
breathing life into them, drawing them into community, drawing them into friendship with you and with others. Lord, I want to pray for our church and ask that as we move forward, gathering online, gathering as uh, limited sizes in person, we just ask that you would continue to help us. Help us connect as a community, through our community groups and through our worship times, through our friendships, our growing mission friendships. You would also help us, Lord, in our mission to help others find and follow you. We submit to your leadership and ask that you would be our Lord, our King, our guide. And now as we dive into scripture, as we dive into the message, I just ask that you would help me speak your words and encourage everyone who is gathered. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I already said to you before, I encourage you to talk during the message. Just talk away, chat away. It's something you, you have a hard time doing when we're together in person. And so this is your opportunity. You can make comments on what I'm saying. <laughs> you, can, uh, you, know, you can comment on whether or not I actually stay behind this podium like I'm supposed to. I know last week I moved out of frame a couple times and yeah, I heard about it from a few of you. And so my attempt to uh, stay behind, but go ahead Talk as we're going through the message today. I encourage you to do that. And also, as I already said before, if you need prayer for something, reach out and ask for it. Listen, when COVID hit, um, I was in another Footlighters production. Some of you remember I soldiered out and joined the White Christmas cast and was part of that last fall. Well, this spring, we were just weeks away from launching a spin-off kind of fan fiction uh, Star Trek, it was called. And I was Captain Timothy J. Clark from the Federation Starship Possibility. And we were captaining this um, starship of misfits and we were ready to bring it to the community and then, alas, another loss of COVID, we weren't able to. But let me, let me tell you, maybe someday we hope to bring it to you yet. Star Trek was co-written by our talented friends, Jason Smith and Suzanne Chubb, and during the early phases of the rehearsal, um, they were still making edits, still making some changes, probably partially in conversation with the actors and partially as they were processing it and thinking, well, that didn't work. And, uh, so last minute edits were being made. So there were moments in the uh, reading and in the rehearsals where the scripts were slightly different between <laughs> different actors, right? And so if you can imagine, um, we're reading from one script and the other person's thinking, this is not right. What are they doing? That's not what it says there. Are they improving? What's going on? And we realized we're actually looking at little bit different versions of the script. So there was laughter, there was confusion. And uh, you know, it wasn't until we got the wrong pages ripped out and the right pages added in that we were able to sort of get on with the rehearsal as planned. Without the same script, it was hard to pull off a play. I thought about this together. I thought, what if we were all to come together to produce a play, but we handed to each different person a different script? How successful would we be? I don't even think there'd be much laughter, to be honest. It'd just be confusion and frustration. But the truth is, much of the confusion that we see around us, maybe in the lives of friends, maybe displayed in media, maybe sometimes in our own lives, the differences which we see between people and families and groups and ideologies often stem from the fact that we aren't looking at the same script. We're not on the same page. As a larger society, we can see this. 
I mean, look at the polarized responses to COVID. Look at the different reactions to racial injustice. Even the variety of ways that people have responded to schooling this fall. All of this has to do with the script that people are reading, the page that they're on, and the fact that different people are, as it were, reading from different scripts. Even within the church, we can see this, how different people respond to hurt or sin, or or maybe how we think we should connect with each other. Or perhaps there's a difference in what we believe is really essential or what we believe is, frankly, negotiable or can even be set to the side. What we believe about Jesus, what we believe about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the church, all of that. And even the way, sadly, the polarization of politics and culture has actually seeped into the church and, frankly, brought about real divisions in the body of Christ. Lack of a shared script is actually hurting our community and it harms our witness. And so today, we're going to talk about our common script as followers of Jesus, or to put our finger right on it, our common scripture, the Bible itself. Now, every fall, I try to pull back from the various uh, teaching series that we've been doing, and I try to talk about our identity, our vision. As a church, that's normal. But this fall, in particular, I want to take the four weeks in October and look at our identity as the Covenant Church and kind of tie it into our larger family of churches as well. That's normal, we do that, but I actually think it's extra important that we do it right now because we've been quite scattered. And as we move into this new reality of gathering in different ways, in some senses being still scattered fellowships, but one church, gathering in smaller groups, gathering online, getting together with members of our community groups, loving each other in the daily rhythm of life, knowing who we are is crucial. Knowing the shared script that we have is important. As Erickson Covenanters, we need to remember who we are because who we are influences all we do. And that's why I always do this vision stuff at the start. And that's why we're looking through this now. Well, the first way we explored last week, and that was that we are connectional, that we will be in mission with Jesus together as friends. We are connectional, and we explored that. The second way is that we are biblical, that we're going to do that mission together as friends under the authority and the guidance of the Bible, of Holy Scripture. Now, if you're gathering with us today, and you're just exploring faith, and you're immediately thinking, well, there's a problem, because I actually don't, A, know the Bible. (laughs) Frankly, I don't think it's God's word, and I'm not really buying what you're selling. Let me just say this. I get it. I understand that. Frankly, there is some weird stuff in here. And there's stuff in here you read and think, what is that? And anyone should be wary of someone claiming to have divine revelation in their hands. I get it. No, actually, I'm not trying to get you to sweep all that aside. My challenge to you is quite simple. To actually take this thing and start reading it. Maybe start with the Gospel of John or something like that. Gospel of Mark. Uh, one of the four stories about Jesus is a great place to start. But to try reading it and actually talk about what you're reading with someone who does believe this. Who is following Jesus. And kind of see where that leads. 
wherever you land, I invite you to stick with us because what I'm sharing with you today will explain a bit of who we are as the Erickson Covenant Church. It'll help you know a little bit of what the Bible is about, which I think is helpful for anyone, so you can evaluate it for yourself. And if nothing else fails, the Bible is chock full of great practical teaching. It's the most influential piece of literature in Western civilization. And then you'll be able to better debate your Christian friends. Have fun with that. If you're new to the Covenant Church, though, you may wonder what we believe. Well, let me share with you what Gary Walter, he's a Covenant pastor, lifelong, but also our most recent denominational president. He wrote it in a little Covenant Affirmations booklet. This is what he said. Our formal confession of faith is brief. It simply states, the Evangelical Covenant Church confesses that the Holy Scripture, the Old and New Testament, is the Word of God and the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. There, Gary continues by saying, by this, we are essentially saying that the Bible itself is our creed. Now listen, I actually want you to be able to grab this little booklet for yourself. There's a PDF file and the hosts will just load that right into the chat right now. And if you click on that, it'll take you directly to a website where you can download that, this whole um, Covenant Affirmations booklet. Super helpful. You can download that for yourself and read it. Um, if you somehow are hearing this later, just email connect at ericksoncovenant.ca and I'll send you uh, the link. But the Bible itself is our creed. In other words, covenanters follow this script. We look to this book for guidance. Other books are helpful. Other brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as people outside the faith, can help us in our faith journey. But only this book is the word of God. Only this book is the perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. Now, affirming that the Holy Scripture is God's word is, of course, not just a covenant idea. This is a, something that Christ followers have affirmed down through the centuries. And it's highlighted all throughout the scripture itself. And we're going to turn to one of those highlights now and then bring in some other stuff as, as needed. If you have a Bible, pull it out. But if you're watching with us on Church Online, you actually have a Bible right in your screen. It's integrated with the YouVersion app. So down on your right, you can see some options. If you click on Bible and you put in 2 Timothy 3, you'll see the scripture that I'm pulling from today. And your hosts can show you how to do that as well. Paul wrote this letter to one of the younger pastors that he mentored, and he was encouraging him as a pastor through difficult times. Now, after Paul um, explained about some of his own difficult experiences of helping people find and follow Jesus, he went on to talk about the scripture itself. Listen to what he says to Timothy. As for you... Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. Let's unpack this together. As the Evangelical Covenant Church, the Bible is our creed, yes, 
but we've done some thinking down through our life as a 130-year-old church, and we've coalesced the core of what we believe in something that we call our affirmations. Six covenant affirmations, and that's actually the booklet that I've given you the link to. I encourage you to read it if if you're going to make the covenant church your home church. I encourage you to read it. It's super, super helpful. Well, the first of those covenant affirmations is not going to surprise you at all. It is simply this. We affirm the centrality of the word of God. We affirm the centrality of the word of God. We are biblical. And using this phrase, the centrality of the word of God, let's explore what Paul says about Holy Scripture here in 2 Timothy. First, that it's the word of God. Paul says that Holy Scripture is God-breathed. It's where we get the word inspiration from. Central to the story of Scripture, right from Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. What's the first thing he did? He spoke, let there be light. We have a God who speaks creation, who speaks covenant, who speaks to people through prophets, but then ultimately through Jesus Christ, his own son, the living word of God. Let me read for you the first two verses of a letter to the Hebrews a little later on in the New Testament. This is what it says, Hebrews 1, 1 to 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Pause. You can think of that as the Old Testament. God spoke through the prophets in all these different ways. Then he goes on and says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe, the written word and the living word. The truth is, and sometimes this is confused, we don't worship the Bible. Rather, we worship Jesus, the living word. But we believe that through the Bible, we meet Jesus, who is this living word. And there's a dynamic interplay between the written word and the living word. Just as Jesus was 100% human and 100% God, so too is this book. 100% human, God-breathed, but also 100% divine, sorry, God-breathed, but also 100% human. God used real authors and reflects their real perspectives and their real passions. God spoke through the prophets and the apostles. And all that points toward the ultimate living word, Jesus Christ himself. But we can only know that living word through the God-breathed testimony of written scripture. Being God-breathed doesn't mean that this book is somehow just dictated. You know, it's not like these people were put into a trance and just copied out the words as they were told. No, no, that's not how it works. But rather, God, by his spirit, engaged with humans, spoke to them, encouraged them, inspired them. And together through the testimony of scripture, God expresses his will to us, his ways, his mind, his word. And just like that early creation story in Genesis chapter two, where God breathes life into the humans, God through this breathed book continues to put life into us by his Holy Spirit. As we take this scripture into our hearts and into our minds, we receive in us God's living breath, which is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. Again, I want to quote from that little booklet, the Covenant Affirmations booklet. It says this, The Covenant Church believes that the effective power of the scriptural word is inseparably associated with the ministry of of the Holy Spirit. You can't pull apart the Word and the Spirit. They're always working together. 
The Spirit never works independently of the Word. And the Word is made effective through the Holy Spirit. So all Scripture is God-breathed. This is God's holy word to us, God's love letter to us, down through the centuries in multiple genres, across languages, but now speaking our language and all for one reason, so that God could reveal himself to us. Second, we affirm the centrality, the centrality of God's word, that this common Scripture, God's word to us, isn't something secondary or optional, or kind of sweet. We can pull some verses from it and post them on a fridge. It's not something we can sort of set aside. But rather, it means that God's word operates at the very core of who we are as Jesus' followers, at the very core of who we are as his church. It shapes our heart and our minds. It gives correction and understanding to certain ideas. It shapes our behavior, our relationships, our responses. It actually shapes our politics, our theology, the way we raise our kids, our future plans. As Jesus' followers, we live under the authority and the guidance of God's word. I want you to note how Paul makes this centrality really clear to Timothy. First, he says that the Holy Scripture is central to how we find Jesus, central to our salvation. Remember what he said to Timothy? He said, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's only through Scripture that we gain a proper understanding of who Jesus is. The whole story leads us to Jesus. We've been exploring that for months as a church to see how the whole story moves us not only toward Jesus, but toward what God is doing through Christ for the whole world. It's only through scripture that we have a proper understanding of what Jesus has done and what it means for us to trust our lives to him. God's written word, the Bible, leads us to God's living word, Jesus. Leads us to place our faith in that. You know, this is critical for seekers. I told some of you in a Zoom study recently that um, one, one, I've been in, under the teaching of uh, Fawad Masri, I think is how you say his name, who's done a lot of work helping people who are of the Muslim faith come to follow Jesus. And his biggest recommendation, hands down, is this. Do whatever you can to get the Bible into their hands. Just get them reading it. That's all you need to do. His whole apologetic or way of describing how to get someone to consider the claims of faith are basically because Muslims have a belief that the Bible's been corrupted And because it's been corrupted, it can't be trusted. And so his whole apologetic strategy is eliminating the the idea of the corruption just so they can actually read what's called the Injil to them, the New Testament for themselves. And he can tell you story after story after story of people who were followers of Islam, were Muslims, who after reading the Injil, the story of Jesus, placed their faith in Jesus. That's the power of God's word. That's the power of the scripture to lead people to salvation in Christ. I also know this is true of skeptics. I love the story. There's many stories we can point out, but the most recent one that I've enjoyed is by J. Warner Wallace, who's a cold case homicide detective, homicide detective for years, now cold cases, a real specialist in that area. And as a total atheist and skeptic, he went to scripture, like a lot have, to try to disprove it and realized that he was looking at the evidence as a cold case detective and realizing This is super compelling evidence. And as he engaged the story of Jesus, he then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
came to faith in Christ. What am I saying all this for? The story has power. Power to make us wise to salvation. Sometimes even religious folks can miss this and therefore miss Jesus. You know, Jesus, when he engaged with some super religious guys in his time, there were a group called the Pharisees, and they were uh, really, really committed to the study of Scripture. He realized that even though it's possible to know the Bible really well, backwards and forwards, you can still miss the point of it all. And he challenged them with these words in John chapter 5. He said, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, Jesus said, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Knowing the Bible isn't enough if you miss the main point. And that is that the Bible leads us to follow Jesus, to find and follow him. The whole testimony of scripture leads us to one person, Jesus Christ. Okay, so the Bible is central to how we find Jesus. And second, the Holy Scripture is central to how we follow Jesus, the life of discipleship. Paul goes on to say that this God-breathed Scripture is useful, right? Useful for teaching. Useful for rebuking. In other words, eh. useful for correcting. Useful for training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, in order to really follow Jesus, we need this book. And not just on our shelf, but in our hearts and minds. We need to activate it. We need to use it. We need to sit under its teaching and accept its rebuke, to receive its correction, and to lean into the training, kind of like a coach at the gym. Lean into the training in righteousness. In other words, we need to let this book lead our lives. That's why we teach the Bible at Erickson Covenant Church. It's why we encourage you to get into Scripture together in small groups or in your community group or with friends. It's why we spent months going through the big story of Scripture so that we can be activated into it. And it's why we consistently come back to Scripture weekly, daily, encouraging you to memorize it, to read it, get into a habit of sitting with it, mulling over it, praying through it. The Holy Scripture is central to how we follow Jesus. Well, as I move toward the finish, I just want to offer you a practical point, a key application, and then a, a historic covenant question that I think is helpful for us. First, a practical point. It is this. Holy Scripture is only as useful to us as it gets used by us. Let me say that again. Holy Scripture is only as useful to us as it gets used by us. And so the little question that goes with this is, is it getting used? Are we opening it up? This isn't a guilt thing. Please don't hear me that way. Nor is it recognizing, I mean, nor is it to ignore the fact that this field can feel pretty complicated for a newbie. And I get all that. But listen, friends, the Bible is amazing. If you'll just dive in, you'll be surprised with what you find. You'll be surprised, as one theologian said, how the Gospel of John was so deep that a theologian could drown in it, but so shallow that a child could play in it. And much of the scripture is like that. Step in you'll find a whole new world waiting for you there. Is it being used is the question. If you're a seeker, dive in. If you're a follower of Jesus, I think evaluate. Again, not with a guilt and shame thing, but just step back and ask yourself, um, how much is it being used in my life? How much has the scripture been teaching me lately? Or maybe specifically, what 
has the scripture been teaching me lately? I encourage you to share that. Maybe you want to share it in the chat box. Share it with a friend in your community group. But ask yourself, what have I been learning? What has it been teaching me? Now, if you really want to get vulnerable and brave, maybe you want to share, this is where I was rebuked lately. Maybe it was an attitude that you were holding. Maybe it was a state of unforgiveness. Maybe it was just a way of thinking that you realized as you were digging into scripture, the Holy Spirit said, no, you don't think that way. That is not how you are to think about someone else. What was it? Maybe, so there's that, maybe it was a correction. Maybe, maybe it was just something in your life that you hadn't really thought about. And through the scripture, there was a, a course correction made. Something different you're going to pursue. Something different you're going to do. Or maybe something you're going to refrain from doing. Or perhaps there's a way that you're being trained specifically. There's something that God is saying, look, I've got, I've got something for you and I need you trained up. I need you to start exercising this muscle, that gift, this thinking. I need you to read these books. I don't know what it might be, but I encourage you to share it because this scripture is meant to be used by us for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Why? So that we are equipped for the work, the good work that God has given to us. Well, that leads us to one key application, and that is that we would turn to scripture together. We often spend too much, can I say it, private time in scripture. Some of us, I realize, we don't spend any time, private time in scripture, and that's a great place to start. But what I'm encouraging specifically today is that if the Holy Scripture is our shared script, then let's actually share in it together. Let's get around it together. Now, uh, one of the things historically has been true is that in the Covenant Church, um, so before the Covenant even got together, um, these, these groups of Christians would just gather to read Scripture together, so much so that they were called readers. Not a funny term, readers. Why? Because in their particular state church at the time over in Sweden, it was an odd thing for people to get together and just sit around while someone read the scripture to them. Their hearts were alive. They were excited by what they were receiving. And they knew that they were sharing in something deep and compelling that was shaping their lives. So they would gather together around scripture. They would share in it together. So my challenge is that we would do that in your community groups, in your small group, in your friendship groups, in your families, that we would, placing this at the center of our lives, share in it together. Read it out loud. Sing it. Memorize it. Come around it together. Now, I do realize that that means that we might get into some conversations about what it means. Well, that's part of the joy of this. So I want to share with you a covenant question been part of our history for a long, long time. And that is this. When the covenanters would gather together and begin to discuss what they should do or what they should think or what was true, they would often ask each other this question. Where is it written? Where is it written? Now, I can imagine that you could think of that question as, you know, throwing down the gloves and going at it. But that wasn't the point. The point was not to fight for my position Rather, to say, oh, you have, you have a different understanding of this particular doctrine, or this particular um, uh, um, scripture. Can, you, can we together get around, can you show me where that's written? 
in a humble way, can we share together around this? Can you show me what you see and I'll show you what I see? And together by the Holy Spirit as mission friends, we can let the Holy Spirit lead us deeper into unity and understanding of each other, but maybe to greater clarity together. And it could be that I'm gonna actually realize that there's been something wrong with my understanding or perhaps you the same. Or maybe we'll recognize what's been true for many Christians down through the centuries that Bible-believing, Spirit-filled Christians can have differences of opinion on quite a variety of things. Not the essentials of faith. In those things, we have unity. But as one of our great church fathers said, right? In all essential things, unity. In all non-essential things, charity. No, in all non-essential things, liberty. Misquote the thing. And in all things, love. In all things, charity. We can do this together. And by asking the question, where is it written? Instead of it being a challenge fight question, it can be a gather question where we together come around God's word and ask, what has God revealed to us? Scripture becomes our go-to and it helps us lean into those things that bind us together, that lead us forward into the mission that Jesus has for us. We recognize in the covenant church that there's a lot of diversity and there's been a lot of diversity down through the centuries among Christians on quite a variety of subjects. That's why um, I read one of our covenant affirmations today, the centrality of the word of God. But there's another covenant affirmation about freedom in Christ. And in the covenant church, we acknowledge that there are some real differences in the body of Christ. And we let that be what it is. We gather around scripture, but we acknowledge the freedom we have in Christ on quite a variety of both theological and even even stuff to do with how we live our lives. We allow for that freedom because when we look down through history, we recognize that there's been quite a difference, differences on you know, things like baptism, for example, or how you take communion, or the list could go on. We recognize that there's differences down through the centuries and in humility, we approach the scripture together, but we do that as a unified body. We allow for that kind of diversity. Listen, our vision as a church is to be biblical not in a haughty way, not in a way that says, oh, we're biblical and you're not, not like that, but rather to say, we are people who are formed by this common script. We don't have it all figured out. We acknowledge that we are learners, that instead of us declaring, we know everything about this book, rather, we're saying, no, we're operating under this book. Eugene Peterson said, yes, there might be a good uh, goal to try to master the Bible, but really, we're not trying to master the Bible. We're trying to let the Bible master us. And as a covenant church, as the Erickson Covenant Church, that's our vision, that we would be mission friends together as we share this common script. I hope that helps you as you consider what it means for us to be the covenant church, the way that we are. We are connectional. We are biblical. Through the rest of October, we'll come back and look at the other two as well. But as we complete today, I just want to invite um, Jody and Crystal to join me again. And we're going to offer you a closing, closing benediction in the words of the doxology. Because the whole of Scripture leads us back to Jesus, and that ultimately leads us to worship, to give praise to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Praise God from whom all blessings
small. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, go in peace today. May the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and among you always. See you next week. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged, too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.